Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1305, which is entitled The Boss Man. And our podcast title today is The Black Podtha. <laughs> which I probably used before last time when we were talking about the Black Panther movie, but it's worth repeating today. Well, I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. As you will well have known, over the past week, the tributes have been flowing in for Chadwick Boseman, who passed away on the 28th of August. And we are Marvel fans. Big ones. (laughs) And Chadwick Aaron Boseman played the Black Panther, King T'Challa, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So this is a a devastating blow to fans the world over and, of course, to his family and friends as well. So today's Zero G is pretty much going to be devoted to Chadwick Boseman. Mm -hmm. And a couple of his movies we're going to be looking at today. All right, so... Start out with a track from the Black Panther movie, Wakanda. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, stacking Z's on Zero G on 3 Triple R FM. Ludwig Goransson's Black Panther score, Wakanda. And this is Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are on Zero G, paying tribute to the late actor, Chadwick Boseman, who passed away very recently, which is a devastating blow to Marvel Cinematic Universe fans, Mm -hmm. as well as fans of fine acting and good cinema in general, and of course his his family and friends, who I now know included singer Taylor Simone Ledward, his wife. Chadwick Boseman was born in South Carolina in the town of Anderson, in 1976 on November 29th. His mother was a nurse and his father worked in a factory and also managed a business. Bozeman was an actor, a producer, a playwright and a stage director as well. I didn't know those last couple of of items about his career. Look, it it really seems like his, his career was just beginning to flower. Mm. But not quite, really. Um, you can, he goes back quite a way to 2003, which is now like 17 years ago. <laughs> His first TV role was in the Third Watch series. Is it the one about firemen? I think so. It's definitely some kind of procedural of some kind from my knowledge. Yeah. See, now we flounder there with something that's a bit more mundane. He was also in the All My Children soap opera Mm -hmm. and apparently was let go from that, according to him, after he complained to the producers about racist stereotypes in the script. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, that's a quote. And when they recast the role, guess who they put into the role that he had there? Michael B. Jordan. Really? Yeah, his Black Panther co-star. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. He also had roles in Law and Order, CSI New York. Mm -hmm. I have no no idea how many different CSI spinoffs there are. (laughs) ER, Lincoln Heights, and Persons Unknown. In 2008, his first feature film was The Express, the Ernie Davis story. And I have looked that up, and it's a sports and movie about football. And in 2014, jumping forwards in the future a bit, he also appeared opposite Kevin Costner in Draft Day, which is another footy film, US-American footy, of course. What do they call it? Gridiron. Gridiron. <laughs> yeah. Now, that seems to have been a bit of a theme for him. In 2013, he starred in the film 42. Mm-hmm. And I, again, research reveals that 42 is not the meaning of life, as the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy would have it, but uh, the jersey number worn by baseball pioneer mm. and star Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. And this is a Brian Hagelin film, and Bozeman played the title role Mm. not 42 but jackie robinson (laughs) so in 2012 he appeared in a film called the kill hole which i think was an indie film it's a kind of a war film directed by misha s webley and it was that director's uh, debut feature and interestingly enough i thought that this film had some uh, some uh, prescient echoes of the spike lee film that he's just appeared in uh, five bloods there's a an Iraqi war veteran. He's got to uh, chase one of the soldiers he served with across the Pacific Northwest. So there's a, a crime procedural thing folded into the Iraqi war veteran sort of story as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in 2014, leaving football aside, he was playing uh, James Brown in Get On Up, mm-hmm. a musical biopic. And this is directed by Tate Taylor, who also did The Help. Okay. And yep. Girl on a Train. Oh, a bit yeah. of an interesting mishmash there. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Playing opposite Dan Aykroyd and Octavia Spencer. Mm. Amongst other things, we move forward a bit from there. From where were we in 2014? And moving up to 2016. So we're talking about now being discovered by the Marvels, <laughs> in particular the Russo brothers for Captain America Civil War. Mm-hmm. And they have an interesting way of doing this in the Marvel Universe, of, of breaking out the characters, sort of like test running them. Mm. So we had like Black Widow in Iron Man 2. You know, they're just sort of putting yeah, the characters them, out there. Give them a little, a smaller role in another film and just see how, you know, see how they go and then they uh, move on to their own thing, which is a pattern, yeah, they use quite a lot. Uh, moving from spiders to, <laughs> to kitty cats, we have Chadwick Boseman playing the Black Panther. So he was in um, uh, Captain America Civil War in 2016, okay. and this set up things for him to, for the character of the Black Panther to shelter the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes, after the events of Civil War. And so that also meant that when we got a Black Panther movie, we'd already been introduced to the main character and a few of his other people as well. Mm. So we uh, were set up for the massive Afrofuturism movie, The Black Panther, in 2018. Now, this is Ryan Coogler's movie, 
and we watched it again last night mm-hmm. just to prep ourselves for today. And it's a magnificent film. It is a standout Marvel film in a franchise that I personally feel has a lot of standout films. Mm-hmm. And this one is something special. It's almost a cultural attache mm. because it does carry a lot of baggage like attaches do. And I felt that it's such a, a retro Afro futuristic piece mm. that it encompasses all sorts of things. Now, the Black Panther himself is a character that was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And in, and, and I think that um, that particular aspect, which is um, Jack Kirby's design style, is not only fully realized in the Black Panther movie, that uh, science fiction from the past, which we also saw in uh, Taika Waititi's film mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Again, riffing off artist Kirby's particular style. Now, this film has got everything in it, really. Great costumes, great production design, a score, as we've just heard before, that wasn't just phoned in. Mm. Some of the Marvel music scores, you'll just sort of go, yeah, that was an action movie score. Mm, mm. I don't remember much of it, but in this case, you certainly do. And it's not just cultural borrowing or uh, or colonialism, a big uh, a big theme within the Black Panther movie. It's, it's really taking elements from across Africa and almost showcasing them. Mm, It's definitely a celebration of African culture, black culture, and really done in a way, you know, the the director is African-American, the cast is all black. Like I think they really just wanted to do it right. And it's a very powerful film and it's a great narrative on its own. But you're right, they bring together all those elements and really make this astounding cultural force. And I think that's what made it so stand out. Even, I mean, I had friends who aren't really, they haven't watched many of the Marvel films and it's not really their thing, which is fine. Um, but they were like, oh, I really want to watch Black Panther because I've heard that it's it's got so many elements in it, that it's a really powerful film and that it's just really good and entertaining. And I think it sort of crossed some of those lines and sort of really created a bit of a conversation. Yes, it did indeed. And, and, there was a, a very much a sense that here was a superhero. And this is the interesting thing about the Black Panther character. He was also a breakout character when he was introduced. Mm. So there's a good reason why this has struck a chord with African-Americans and expatriate people all over the world. You know, and I felt that this is a strong film to combat racism. And there's a lot of isms that this film deftly weaves itself through. Isolationism, colonialism, all sorts of things. And it's a fun film at the same Mm, time. Exactly. Great action. mm, I think it must be about my fourth time seeing it. Now, I did watch it with an eye to... um, Chadwick Boseman's uh, particular Mm -hmm. performance in this, Mm -hmm. which I think was excellent. Often with superhero films, you have the the well, it's what I call the uh, the Superman syndrome. You need to be able to cast for the secret identity as Mm -hmm. well as the superhero, and Chadwick is perfect as King T'Challa, or I should say Prince slash King T'Challa, because he goes through a journey. Does he what? And also playing the Black Panther himself, so he has a, he had he had the physicality for the role as well as the dignity to play the king. And extra 
elements, which I, I, I knew that they were going to cast somebody who would have that dignity and the power to play the role, and they got it right. They nailed that, and they were probably vibranium nails, come to think of it. But they also brought something into this that I hadn't really thought of, humour. Mm. Bozeman is very humorous as the Black Panther, largely due to the interaction with other characters in the story, his his younger sister Shuri, mm-hmm. and, and that was a beautiful relationship. His uh, palace guard, Koyo, uh, his ex-partner, that is to say the character's ex-partner, um, I think her name is Nakaya, I think, mm, mm, off, mm. off the top of my head. A strong um, woman. They're all very strong characters. Are they? What? <laughs> <laughs> and his mother as well. And, and the glorious thing is that not one of these people who know him have any real respect for him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They've known him since he was a child and they really do enjoy sticking into him basically at every possible opportunity. And that's great. Mm. It really does make the film. Now, I want to drop back a little bit for the next track, a James Brown track, because, of course, he was playing James Brown in Get On Up, the James Brown story, another biopic. He actually does some singing and dancing of his own in that, but not on this. This is vintage James Brown, Get Up Off of That Thing, and I thought we'd play this because this is a good one for the pandemic. You know, just raise your stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> Wow! Hey, Space Buddies! I'm Danny John Jules. I play the cat on Red Dwarf, and I gotta tell you that listening to Zero G is fashionable as wearing knee-length socks with thongs. Zero G, industrial strength sci-fi pum-pum on three triple R. One cool cat there. (laughs) (laughs) That was, of course, James Brown with Get Up Off That Thing, which we played in tribute to Chadwick Boseman, who are we doing a bit of a tribute show to today because I think uh, us as well as many people are very surprised by his death and really just want to celebrate everything that he did in life and the great contribution he made. Yes, indeed. Mr. James Brown there, of course, Boseman starred in a biopic about great musician, 1976 that track comes from. It's been used in so many different films, including (laughs) Muppets in Space (laughs) and the Robin Williams film Robots, an animated film. Yeah, yeah. And one of the Sister Act films. Yes, another classic. (laughs) A big anthem from the 1970s. One of the things that Chadwick Boseman did quite well, I thought, as an actor, and it's basic, but, you know, it's the craft of inhabiting the character and fleshing mm-hmm. them out mm-hmm. into 3D almost, or literally, actually, because there is a 3D version of the Black Panther movie, which, of course, is his iconic role from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the BP movie and Captain America Civil War and afterwards in the Russo Brothers' magnificent two-parter Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, so much great cinema there to mm. watch. And I think one of the other things about the, the Black Panther movie that he carried off so well is just the ability to emphasize and take on board the perspective of the villain. 
Mm, Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger there, who had a halfway decent motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the, I mean, their energy opposite each other was electric, but some of their exchanges, I mean, what Killmonger was coming out with, you were like, look, I kind of see your perspective. I mean, you're going about this in a pretty dire way, but um, very thought-provoking stuff. And I think, you know, a bit more more than just an action film in in that way that it had some thought-provoking things to offer as well. Yeah, I thought so too. All right, so Black Panther, a great movie about original sins and how how heroes often create their own monsters Mm -hmm. or their fathers do or their mothers do. Yeah. Very big trope in superhero movies usually. Often it's the way the villains that they inspire or end up being in opposition to, they often have powers very similar to theirs. In fact, identical in Killmonger's case. Exactly. And so there you get a chance to see that great uh, cinematic tradition of having a villain who is the equal and opposite to you. What if you went down that wrong path? Your dark side, exactly. Yeah. Occasionally in movies they get the actor to play both roles. (laughs) (laughs) Occasionally, they should get the actor to play both roles. Looking at you, Star Trek nemesis, and <laughs> missed opportunity for Patrick Stewart to play bad Captain Picard as Ooh, well as Gordon. Yeah, I'd be there for that. <laughs> but it's a great film anyway, Black Panther, because of the performances from everybody else too. Andy Serkis having so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> playing Ulysses S. Claw. As we said, Michael B. Jordan playing Killmonger. You know, there's just so many great bits and pieces in that film, along with the production design. And enough of that. We've we've talked about Black Pan for a great length. You know it's good. Like, we don't need to <laughs> reiterate. But, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a very good time to go back and do a rewatch if you haven't watched it for a while, I think. Yeah. Look, it's it's been a week since Chadwick Boseman died. I've had time to think about the implications of that moving forwards in the Mm. MCU. I had thought myself that the Black Panther would be, as King T'Challa's character, somebody who could actually lead the Avengers Mm. with Tony Stark and Captain America now out of the picture. And that could still be on the cards. I don't know. Mm. Look, I very much doubt that they'll actually recast the role of T'Challa. No, I don't think they would do that. I'd be very surprised if they recast it. I think that would be... A bad move for multiple reasons, I think. Yes, yes. We'll see. Although the possibility is that you can certainly recast the role of the Black Panther. Yes, absolutely. And if you do it right, it can be a really great opportunity. That's very true too. So we may not lose that character per se, maybe inhabited by someone else, um, and we kind of get a new take on it. In the comic books, it's Shuri. I was going to say, could it be the sister? Because she's a fan favourite, one of my faves too. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that at all as an idea. No, and a few, a few years down the track, the actress will probably be grow into that role, not to be ages. You know, I mean, squ- Squirrel Girl and um, <laughs> and Ms. Marvel uh, mm. aside, and so, Tom Holland's just a baby, so you know, you, you can yeah. cast him young. Young Avengers is a thing. It's always been a thing. Options are endless. Hmm. All right, so let's have another track here because I just can't get, uh, really can't get enough of the soundtrack, The Black Panther. We will go with A New Day. Triple R. Yeah, I'm just quietly contemplating that track. Mm -hmm. Lovely track. 
Beautiful yeah. score. Just that film has so much to offer, I think. It's high moments and it's quiet moments. Uh, yeah, it's a real feat. No wonder yeah. it got Oscar nominated. <laughs> yeah. Ludwig Goransson's A New Day from the Black Panther original score. All right. I think we'll turn away from the Panther for the moment mm-hmm. and go and have a look at Spike Lee's Da Five Bloods. Mm, yes. <laughs> And that's on Netflix. It is, yes. So Mm. distributed on Netflix, Spike Lee film, available now, came out a couple months ago. Do you know a confession I have to make? I am a pretty much Spike Lee noob. Really? Really. Apart from the 2013 remake of Old Boy or the, you know, reinterpretation of um, Park Chan-wook's 2003 South Korean film, Mm -hmm. did star uh, several people from the MCU like Josh Brolin, Elizabeth Olsen and Samuel L. Jackson as well Mm. as Shalto Copley. Ah, yeah. Ah, yes, yes. I avoided that on purpose because I love the South Korean original film and I just wasn't sure about whether that was entirely necessary. I may watch it. Who knows? Did you enjoy it? So that's the only Lee film you've seen. Did you enjoy it? Look, it is just not the original. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's not a bad reinterpretation of it, Mm -hmm. but I still prefer the original (laughs) of all of its gory violence. (laughs) So, yeah, there is that. So uh, have you had much exposure to Lee's work? Well, actually, quite recently, I we've been sort of trying to watch different films um, that we've been meaning to watch for a long time and haven't got around to. So I finally watched Black Klansman. Have you not seen that? No. I I would strongly. I mean, I'm going to wait and hear what you thought about *The Five Bloods*, but I would urge you to watch Black Klansman because I really, really enjoyed that film, and I think it was powerful and enjoyable and funny. And, uh, yeah, so that's probably the most recent one of his that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not a, a huge Spike Lee person, so not for any particular reason. I've probably seen some some of his stuff and not really clocked it. But, yeah, that's the one that springs to mind most recently that I would is a definite recommendation list film for me. Okay. I, I will make a uh, an actual note of it. <laughs> But right, not right now, because <laughs> it'll sound the typing will sound horrible on the on the computer. <laughs> All right, so um, Da Five Bloods, and it's um, set in uh, Vietnam. Uh, so instantly, it went to the top of my viewing list because uh, ever since mm-hmm. two thousand and twelve, and went on a, a happy little holiday in Vietnam on behalf of uh, Free Triple RFM, actually. Um, I really enjoyed just the experience of of seeing the country beyond what I already knew about it from the Second Southeast Asian War or the Vietnam conflict, as people know it. Mm -hmm. So this film actually references all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about a group of Vietnam War veterans, Mm -hmm. and they return to Vietnam. They have a mission to to locate – their squad leader, Stormin Norman, who was played by Chadwick Boseman. And there's another plot that's woven in through that, a more conventional heist caper plot Mm -hmm. that reminds me strongly of the same sort of storyline from the movie Kelly's Heroes Mm -hmm. or the George Clooney vehicle Three Kings. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a buried treasure element in the story. <laughs> yeah, I think we can say that. There's a few other things we probably shouldn't say because it, it takes some twists and turns, this film, that's for sure. It does. There are various factions that get involved in this film. Mm-hmm. One of them is led by Jean Reno. Mm, mm, mm. So there's a reason for watching it, even if Chadwick Boseman wasn't in it. And, <laughs> and this story, The Five Bloods, was originally written by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMio back in 2013. Now, both of those people are known for working together. And uh, there's The Rocketeer from 1991, the television series Viper, The Flash from 1990. Uh, Bilson and DeMio were big comic book buffs. Mm-hmm. And actually kind of shows into Five Bloods. I feel very strongly this is a film that could have been a comic book. Mm. And they worked on uh, video game scripts too. Oh, cool. Yeah, so there's a feeling for that. But Bilson was the director of a cult classic called Zone Troopers back in 1985, which had uh, a squad of soldiers uh, encountering an alien spaceship. So I feel like that they actually were maybe were the people who should have worked on this kind of thing. And they also have worked with um, Spike Lee on this, but DeMeo died back in 2018, so mm-hmm. just before they kind of um, finalised the sale with Lee of this script. I think that would have been about the time Lee won the Academy Award for Adapted Screenplay for Black Klansman, according to my notes here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they reworked it with Lee and Kevin Wilmot in uh, After Black Klansman, so this film is actually takes place in Southeast Asia largely, and it's filmed there too. And you can really tell the landscape was so familiar, even with my brief experience of the country. Same. Yeah, it felt real. And I, I so appreciate that they actually went there and they used that environment and they portrayed that environment. Cause, and I mean, the sound design's amazing. Like you don't realize, and then you realize, oh, that background noise is the insect sounds and the, you know, the tree sounds and it's kind of this buzzing and droning. It's so well done. Uh, very, very impressive. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm only a Vietnam veteran of, of a tour. <laughs> when I say I'd done one tour in Vietnam, it was 10 days <laughs> and it was an intrepid travel tour. So not quite the same experience that these veterans have undergone to get there. It's a very interesting film in a lot of respects. Uh, they make fun of the Rambo movies, mm. a couple of which sort of go back to Vietnam. I think they might be jinxing them a little. The film actually has leans heavily on some cliches and tropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought at times it lent a little bit too heavily upon them. There was times when I was like, this is ironic, right? I just wasn't sure because it was really, I mean, there was obviously areas of the film, like some of the flashbacks that are intentionally done in a that sort of grainy film, uh, old Vietnam War film style on purpose. And I think I counted three different aspect ratios throughout the whole film on purpose to kind of emulate that stuff. But then there was other scenes where I was like, is this intentionally being as dramatic and tropey? Is this intentional or is this, you know? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I think uh, he's definitely leaning on a couple of cliches, but he executes them well. Yeah, and some of Mike Lee's, his particular signatures, uh, breakout freeze frame for photographs, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's got a lot of, that, of his of his own style stamped in there, which does make this a unique kind of Vietnam War film in, in, mm-hmm. in lots of ways. Uh, and they were actually using um, 
16 mil film cameras to do the old Vietnam segments. Actually, yes, there's probably way more than four asset ratios because we've got sort of old style Super 8-ish video stuff as well. We've got real footage in there. Another something that when you watch Black Klansman, uh, you'll see there's some overlap of style there, use of real footage, talking about real facts. Uh, there's a bit of breaking of the fourth wall. It makes it sound more exper- experimental than it actually is, but it's yeah, it's those hallmarks that you'll recognise if you've watched uh, some of his other other works. Mm. Um, some of the char- the actors in there, I was quite chuffed to see them, apart from Jean Renault, who has got so <laughs> much uh, so much charm and style here, where he's playing a uh, a French um, facilitator, let's call him. <laughs> uh, but you know, Jonathan Majors plays the character of David, one of the vets. Mm. Uh, he's Atticus Freeman in Lovecraft Country. Oh, I knew I recognised him, and it was from just that little screenshot of the. The tile. Yeah. Oh, I would definitely watch him in more stuff. I thought he was very good. Clark Peters plays another of the vets uh, named Otis, and he was in The Wire. I know him playing um, Sergeant Ballard from uh, the Sean Connery space movie Outland back in 1991, Peter Hyman's movie. But he was also a, a detective in Jessica Jones. Ah, oh, cool. You will also know Norm Lewis playing a character called Eddie. He's a Broadway singer and actor, Miss Saigon, ironically. <laughs> Dessa Rose, Wild Party, and also the first African-American actor to play the Phantom of the Opera title role on Broadway. That's awesome. Mm. I also should shout out to Johnny Tri Nguyen playing Mm. in. Yeah. Now, he's a, he's a Vietnamese martial arts choreographer and stuntman, and he's really big over in, in uh, Vietnam. He's also worked on Spider-Man 2. Okay. The, well. sa- the old one, Sam Raimi, old uh, Tobey Maguire. Uh, my answer to that question is a definite Possibly. Uh, Tobey <laughs> Maguire. Ah, uh, yeah. That's one small thing that I'll call out as a, I like the Vietnamese characters played by Vietnamese actors. It's a small thing, but I think, great, like let's not just cast generic Asian. I mean, I just, I thought that was nice. I thought they're in Vietnam, they're using Vietnam crew, Vietnam talent, like, yes, good. <laughs> One actress who actually gets cast as generic Asians quite a bit is Veronica Gno. She plays Hanoi Hanna the voice of uh, the propaganda um, broadcaster. But she was in uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. She also played the older sister of Rose in The Last Jedi. Do you remember the one that, that sacrifices herself in the bomber? Yep, very small part, but yep, 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 yep I remember. She was in um, the Netflix film Bright, you know, the elf characters. But yeah. we also know her from the old guard. Oh, oh, she's, yes, yeah. yeah, 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 she's that character. So we may, oh, I can't, I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. No, exactly. Yep. I thought yeah. those parts were great. They were probably one of my favourite bits. Now, Chadwick Boseman plays the character of Stormin Norman, who's the squad leader, and he's a pivotal character, Mm -hmm. not on screen as much as you might think for an actor of his calibre, but nevertheless, it's very, very important when he is on screen that he does the right thing. But he's certainly the, the heart and soul of the actual film. Mm. that everybody else refers to. And, of course, they have a big montage at the start of uh, things that happen in the 1960s, contrasting elements of the Vietnam War with the civil rights movement, which, of course, was was exploding into what we would call good trouble. 
back in the 1960s. And of course, the assassination of, of Dr. Martin Luther King as well figures in this movie. So, I mean, it's a Spike Lee movie. I, even though I know so little about Spike Lee's movies, <laughs> would expect to see all of that. As with movies about Australia, the Bush is a character in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can tell that the sweat on those ca- actors is genuine. <laughs> oh, it made me feel like I had a thin film of sweat on me. It was very, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's real time and place stuff. But they probably didn't have to use uh, any makeup to achieve that. Nope. Save some money there. <laughs> yeah. I think the characters um, humping through the boonies, mm. as they call it, getting their feet caught on vines and things. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, too, that I... Well, I think this film pays more attention to consequences than most Vietnam War movies, Mm -hmm. uh, both to the aftermath of the actual war and uh, to the actual uh, post-traumatic stress disorder Mm. that the characters are all suffering uh, and their effects upon the Vietnamese population as well. Yeah, I think... You will learn things from this movie, and I th- I think it's done in a way that's on purpose but not heavy-handed. I certainly know, like, not very much about the Vietnam War, and I think that I I liked how it sort of drew a bit on that country's history as well as, as you say, US history and so on and so forth. And I think that the way those things were layered in this film, I, I liked that. Well, the entire conflict was a a pivotal um, socio-political aspect when I was growing up in the 70s, of course, and uh, after that I was motivated to read more and more about it, um, trying to get some more information about it from the side of the the victors, from the the communist perspective as well, Uh, and was very keen to see how different the actual country was to my perceptions that are just basically, you know, just read about or watching movies and and so on. So, again, I I was really pleased that they managed to highlight lots of aspects of the conflict that I had considered in this this particular movie. I think it's a bit of a a messed up movie. (laughs) Yeah, there was, I I will say there were some things that were surprised me let's put it that way, and things I wasn't expecting. I wasn't really sure what I was expecting, though, going into this, to be honest. I yeah. wasn't sure what I was going to be getting. But, yeah, tell me more about what, what you thought was uh, a bit messed up about it. Well, being familiar with the tropes uh, from, from other Vietnam experiences, there were bits that I saw coming like, you know, 50 yeah. feet before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the sort of things that you get when you've been walking point on a tour. <laughs> I see. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's interesting they brought in some of those elements as well. I think that's an important part of history. And I like as well, I think Spike Lee, from what I can tell with Black Klansman and now this film, Defied Bloods, he's really trying to tell these historical black stories. Black Klansman's about black police officer. This film is about black veterans and stories that may not otherwise be portrayed or not portrayed front and centre in this way, and I was surprised. There's a few facts that had dropped in this film. I was like, I'd never realised that, and that's very, very sad. Well, I actually don't believe that we mentioned – did we mention that they were African-Americans, these veterans, at the start? Or did no, we just? we did. I don't, I don't think we, we did. No, we well, didn't. Well, African-Americans made up about 14% of the total of all American enlisted men who died in Vietnam. Mm. Uh, The ratio of of black combat troops was double that of white, 
combat troops in country. So obviously they were overrepresented, yeah. essentially, which, is, of course, um, Muhammad Ali slash Cassius Clay, and I actually know this sports in fact, when he, um, when he refused to go and be drafted to, for Vietnam, he said, why am I going to go over there to thousands of miles to kill people who are just as oppressed as I am? Mm. You know, and that's a good point, and it is double downed upon in this film. It's also a film about comradeship mm. and and bonds formed in in battle and in and in the uh, the melting pot of America's cosmopolitan society mm. as well. Because you know, this is a a whole thing that um, the film brings out very well, and and I appreciated seeing it. Um, it is on Netflix too, in case you're wondering where you're going to catch up with it. Chadwick Boseman in this is particularly effective. Okay, he is literally helicoptered into the story yeah. <laughs> to do his thing. I have no trouble at all believing him in the period. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I did notice about this one, uh, apart from the sweat and the insects and the sun beating down upon your head, and you could you could feel the humidity too. Couldn't you, though? <laughs> it's just making you itchy and wet and uh, unhappy until you get back into your air-conditioned bus or your hotel. <laughs> Not quite exactly the experience that these poor fellows had back then. The, the, the film is, is very well worth seeing as an addition to your um, Vietnam War canon of films. Mm, mm, so, mm. yeah, because it is a different perspective. Absolutely. And I think there's some definitely powerful moments in this. I I will say you've got to carve aside a decent couple of hours because this film is long. I personally feel it could have been trimmed a little and been just as uh just as sort of symbolic, just as powerful, just as narrative, just as action-packed. That's just my opinion. It runs more than two and a half hours. So that would probably be the thing. And and I personally, I think it's a strong film, but it's, I like, I think Black Klansman is a stronger film, but that doesn't by any means make this any less worth your time. No, no. Now, I believe that uh, we're going to run out of time today, speaking <laughs> of time. Um, and I did want to talk about the film Marshall. Mm. Uh, have you seen that, Megan? No, I haven't. I haven't. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, though. Well, that means that we'll be able to save that for next time. <laughs> Perfect. Look, it's pretty clear to me that Chadwick Boseman um, was an inspirational actor, mm. uh, especially for those iconic roles in the uh, in the biopics, yep. you know, in in sports, in music, and um, the Marshall film is about uh, an African American Chief Justice's Supreme Court. So, you know, a very, very well-known one who's – and um, apart from those roles, the iconic role is the Black Panther as well. Yeah. So an inspirational actor because of his immense adaptability and, and, and ability to play those, that wide spectrum of characters when you think about it. Yeah, and icons too would be very hard to step into those shoes – Yes, especially the uh, form-fitting nanite uh, whisper sneakers of the Black Panther as well. So, yeah, so I think that we should actually be inspired ourselves to actually go and watch some of these other movies. Some of them are not in genres that I necessarily would would say are are things that will attract me to them as a Mm, zero-G producer. But Marshall 42 
and um, James Brown, those movies are all historical movies. So there's a good reason to get into that. All right. So, uh, but I did say, but Marshall is a terrific film. I think you will like it, Megan. Okay. All right. Yep. Excellent. Uh, It's it's a good um, legal procedural. Great. Love those. Yeah, as well as being a, a, an excellent civil rights movie too. Mm-hmm. All very important, particularly at the moment, but really, really forever when you think about it. So long as people continue to be oppressed for any reason, it's going to be something that uh, we need to continue to become self-aware of. Mm. So check that one out. Maybe uh, listeners before the next Zero G, Marshall. Mm, mm. It's uh, a Reginald Hudland 2017 American biographical legal drama film set in the uh, 1940s. Oh, okay. I'm mm. interested. Mm. All right. To go out today, I believe we shall play another track from The Black Panther. And, again, this is from the uh, the soundtrack album. I just love the title of this, Glory to Bast. <laughs> now, accounting types should not mistake that for Glory to Bass. It's got nothing to do with that. But I can tell you that the numbers all do add up very well indeed on Ludwig Goranson's Black Panther original score. We won't use a Bowie track this week. This week belongs to Chadwick Boseman who is very much missed by everybody, families, friends, and his extended fandom across the Marvel Cinematic Universe and other worlds beyond. All right, so this is the track from The Black Panther. Glory to Bast for all you cat people out Mm -hmm. there. Joe Brunetic coming up next with Astral Glamour. And thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And thanks to our podcaster, Kayla Larson. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.